One of the requirements um, that a believer has in this life, the Bible says, is to walk in the Spirit. And the Bible says if we walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So it's, a, it's, it's this, this wonderful balance that we have to walk in the Spirit. I want to talk a little bit about that, but I want to kind of, this is not really heavy, but I just want to share a few things because I believe there's an awakening coming uh, where spirit living will actually be measured and encouraged even by the world standard. Now, I've said this before because I believe this to be true that um, Atheism, and those that don't know me and those watching that might not know me that well, the Lord uses me prophetically. So sometimes I'll speak and, and things may be the first time you've heard them, but if you check me out long enough, you'll find out that they're all biblical, biblical based, and the rest you'll begin to see as it begins to unfold. That's what prophecy is. It's foretelling things that are to happen that God will give you. He, the Bible says that he'll even reveal secrets to his prophets. Uh, before things happen. So uh, one of the things that the Lord showed me was that in the last days, atheism will not be the, the main message that will be in direct opposition against God. Uh, the devil wants the, God to disappear, that's for sure. But people are too hungry. There's too much of a hunger on the inside of them. There's the God thing, that spiritual thing that's inside of us that wants to be awakened, right? So people begin to seek out the, the spirit realm. And so uh, one of the things he shared with me was that in the last days, it would not be atheism. It would be polytheism, it would be the search for many gods, and I have this God for this situation. I've got that God for this situation. This God over here for this other situation, right? So it would be the worship of many gods. Some of you, especially in American culture, that's hard to see. But I promise you, the Lord said that's what's coming down the pike. That's what the devil has up his sleeves. It will be more I'll fulfill that hunger instead of going to the most high God who said I'll have no other gods before me. I'll reveal the devil. I'll reveal myself in many other forms, many other gods. I want to prophesy this this morning. This is a, actually a much longer prophecy that I, the Lord gave me at some other time. I'll share the details of that. But this is what he said to me. We are entering the age of science and spirit. There are, there, the two are going to begin to converge, and as a result, God is going to reveal himself to multiplied millions of people. The true power of the mind is going to be discovered, and it's going to reveal God in a new and relevant way. Now, all of that that I just said right there is a mouthful, but he said the two will come together, science and spirit. Right now, they oppose one another. But do you know that God is the greatest scientist that ever lived? <laughs> that everything in God has a structure. Everything's in order and structure. So the more science comes out, the more it does not disprove God, but can prove actually more of God. And it's the age of science and spirit, so the two will come together. So what I a moment ago said to you that I believe we're entering to that time, that we're going to enter into spirit living until the world can even measure it, can see it. Do you know that angels are going to be coming to earth more than it's ever happened before? Because he said he'd visit the latter church with a devil portion. And the first church came, and there were angels that showed up everywhere. So the spiritual realm meets the natural realm, and even science is going to declare who God actually is, all right? Look at John chapter 6, 63. It is the spirit, the Bible says, who gives life. What gives life? Spirit. Everything starts with the spirit. Biology comes out of the spirit. 
therefore not going to harbor on all this today. It's not my message, but AI or artificial intelligence can only go so far. The reason why I'm saying that because you're going to start seeing more and more of an uptick of AI activity, more and more robotic things happening or cyborg things being mentioned in the future of the the combination of uh, biology and and mechanics coming together. All that's true. That's going to happen. But they're only going to, you know, God will only allow things to go so far. And he said that, he said that spirit always brings life. Artificial intelligence can only go so far. It cannot reproduce life. It can reproduce programs. It can reproduce mechanics, but it cannot reproduce life. The Bible says the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, Jesus said, to you are spirit and they are life. Church, if we want to receive that life-giving power of God, then the word has to be what we base our life upon and not upon our feelings and our emotions. Everybody say, save your emotions. People say all the time, well, you know, I'll tell you right now, that's the last time I'm dealing with those people right there. Well, what are you basing your decision on? Did you pray about that? Do you got a word from God on that? Is that the will of God, right? Or are you basing it upon your feelings and your emotions that got hurt? I'll never forgive them for what they've done to me. Watch it now. Are you basing your decisions upon the word of God, the will of God, that God says to forgive, and if you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven? Or, I'm just going to put that out there this morning, or are we going to base those decisions upon our feelings and our emotions? We've got too many people living by the dictates of their feelings and their emotions. I'm talking about Christians now, rather than what the word of God says. Well, I'm just going to tell what I feel. That's your problem. You're too wrapped up in what you feel. What does thus say at the Lord? What does God have to say about your situation? I don't know about you, but I want to know what the Almighty has got to say about my situation. Why? Because obedience is better than sacrifice. I don't want to eat my words. Amen. I want to do God's word. Statement. The word directly affects your mind. Talking about mindsets today. The word affect, directly rather affects your mind. Why is that important? Because to have the change that you desire in your life, it will require a proper mindset. A mindset that's in line with the word of God and not just your opinion. Church, we are, are to live by the principles of the word of God and not merely by our or those opinions. Principles are what carry people through. When you see successful people, if you see someone successful in their marriage, they live their marriage by a set of principles. If you see somebody successful in business, it's because, and by the way, success is not, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about things. I'm not talking about, uh, uh, not talking about uh, having much uh, to offer. I'm talking about longevity. So when you have a marriage that's been around for a long time, it's because they have been what? Living by principles. If you see a business around for a long time, they live by principle. When you see a, a ministry around for a long period of time, what they're successful. Why? They live by a set of principles. Because the principles are what you need during the storm. You know exactly how to handle the storm because you've got your principles in line. But when you've got your feelings or your emotions in line, y'all ain't talking to me enough today. I said y'all ain't talking to me enough today. When you got your principles in line, what happens? It anchors you to the stone. It anchors you to the bottom of the floor of the ocean. In other words, you're not, you're not easily going to be tossed this way or that way. You're going to stay directly on course where you're supposed to be. Why? I'm not led by my feelings. I'm not led by your opinions. 
I've never seen so many opinions out there that are wrong in my life. And that's just my opinion. Hallelujah. By the way, we are listening to people's opinions that A, have not earned the right to speak in our lives in the first. Why would you let somebody that has not earned your respect to speak into your life? Or B, they haven't walked the walk. They can talk the talk, sure enough, but they don't walk the walk. In other words, they do a lot of talking, but they don't do enough living it. Jesus called them hypocrites. How are you going to tell me how to fix my marriage when you're on your third? How are you going to tell me how to fix my finances when you can't keep a job? Y'all ain't talking enough to me today. I'll talk to the camera. How are you going to tell me how my kids should be living when your kids don't even want to be around you? Kids out of order, kids unruly, kids looking at you telling you, how are you going to let your kid tell you to shut up? I couldn't even imagine doing that to my little Italian mother back in the day, telling my mother to shut up. I would not be preaching the gospel because I'd have no tongue. It would be ripped right out of my throat. Letting your kids do what they want to do. Get away with what they want to do. Unruly, cussing you out. What kind of parenting is that? Keep your opinions to yourself. So again, you have to set your mind on the word of God in order to be victorious in your life. James 1.22 says, but be doers. Everybody say doer. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Everybody say, I am a doer. Doers get up early and stay late. Doers are all about doing more than rather than less than. Doers don't look for a way out. They look for what it takes. Doers aren't looking to cut corners. They look around to improve their skills. Do we have some doers in the house today? Go ahead and write that in the comment section. Say, I am a doer. A doer is going to be successful in life. So what's the warning that God gives us here? He says, if we're not doers of the word of God, the Bible says, then we will be deceived. Deception will come. What's interesting about this word in the Greek, deception, it translates this. <laughs> it translates deception. We're not a doer of the word of God. You're spiritual, but you don't know the word. I said you got some spirit, but you don't know the word. It translates this way. It means, in other words, you get deceived. You get, it means to charm. It means to enchant, to entrance, to woo, 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 woo. Come on, somebody. To captivate, to bewitch, spellbind, to dazzle. That's what it means. To hypnotize, to mesmerize, and to seduce. Sounds like witchcraft to me. Does that sound like witchcraft to you? Let me make this statement. You can be spiritual and have no word in you whatsoever. And when you're spiritual, you're in tune with the spirit, but you ain't got the word. You'll begin to listen to every other voice in the spirit that's out there. Let me teach you something. You as a child of God or just a person in general, you're, we're all come from God. We're a big, nothing but a big antenna, a big receiver, and we pick things up in the spirit all the time. Not everything you're hearing is of God's spirit. And the only way you know what is of God is what's based in his word. Everybody say, I'm going to live my life by the word. Because when you live by the Spirit only, there's going to be problems. You're going to get into a place of deception. When you're not a doer of the Word, you might know it, but you don't do it. You deceive yourself. And now you get involved in something called spiritual witchcraft. 
And we got people that are living, they say they're living for God, but they don't do the word of God. And when they begin to pray and open their mouth, it's like a witch or a warlock that stands up. And instead of blessing their life, they end up cursing their life. We know there's witches that watch this, sh- this program today. We know there's witches that visit our church or warlocks that come in here and try to bring disruption. You may not understand that, but after 20, 30 years of doing this, I get it. I know. I've, I've, had, I've had run-ins with them. Let me tell you something. They've got no power. They may have some spirit, but they ain't got word. And word is what God says I place above my very name. So we break the power of every curse word and every witch and every warlock that wants to come against the people of God. Let the curse come back on you. Welcome to Sunday morning, Sedidified Faith Builders International. We are the church. We don't come in here and play a game. This is not a game. Heaven and hell is in the palace. There's life and there's death in the palace. We got coronavirus out there killing people. We got our children in the streets killing each other. It's time for somebody to stand up and tell the truth. I want you just to teach some nice little message. Can't we just just be sweet? No! No. We will not be sweet and nice. There's a time for that. This is not that time. It's spiritual warfare. And if I don't teach you the difference between spirit and word, you end up getting too much spirit, not enough word, and you get involved in witchcraft. You start getting enchanted, and you begin to enchant others. The Bible talks about the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Remember, we opened up with the scripture. It said, when it said the scripture, I told you what it said. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What are they? Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, sex outside of marriage, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. He's telling the church about this stuff. And you get mad at me for bringing it up? How about the next one? Sorcery. He's telling the church, don't get involved in sorcery. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, that means parties, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice, they become a doer of those things. Rather than do with the word of God, such things, he said, will not inherit the kingdom of God. What do you do with that? Are we a doer of the word or a doer of ourselves? Church, the ultimate objective as a believer is to be more like Jesus, not more like myself. We are to conform to the image of Christ and not be seduced and not be charmed and not be enchanted by this present world. The spirit of the world is very strong. You don't play games with it. It knows what buttons to push in your life. It knows what you like. And the devil, the spirit of this age, will do what? Will enchant you. Will charm you. Will woo, woo, woo you. 
try to bring you where? To what you can be fulfilling of the flesh. Why? Because it feels good. Ain't nobody in this room going to lie and say the flesh don't feel good. But the Bible says it's only pleasurable for a season. And at the end of the season, you got to pay the piper for the sin that's been or the crime that's been committed. It feels good to front somebody off when they flip you off in traffic. It feels real good to shout some cuss words and tell them off. But that's nothing more than the flesh. Boy, am I preaching good. I'm actually preaching better than I thought I could. It, it can be that spirit can draw you in. And it can bring down even the greatest of believers, even the greatest of the strongest followers of Christ. You don't play with it. It's too strong. That's why Paul said Demas, who was an apostle, who walked amongst the, the apostles as a leader in the body of Christ, he said he's no longer with us, for Demas has loved this present world. And he is now in the world system. Strong can pull you in. Well, I could go to the club sometime and go to church too. Uh, why would you enchant or deceive yourself? Well, I don't do nothing bad. Really? Really? The whole environment is set up for you to do nothing but wrong. At some point, you got to make up your mind. You're going to live for God or live for the devil. You're going to be in the world or in the kingdom of God. What are you going to do? I can I personally, I don't, I love, I'm, I'm a pastor at heart. So I'm always forgiving. I love to forgive too. I like to give people seconds and third and 25,000 chances. I, I do. There's a part of me that you just don't get. You just hear the preaching that's real strong. But I'm a big teddy bear behind the scenes. I love everybody shot. I love, I want everybody. But the truth, I still got to live by the dictates of the word of God. Jesus said, would you be hot or cold? Pick what side you're going to be on. But hypocrisy is the ultimate deception because you begin to deceive yourself. While Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. He tells us, don't take on the image of the world. Don't act like them. Don't talk like them. Don't goof around like them. Don't waste your life like them. But be transformed. Metamorpho is the Greek for that. Metamorpho. Where we get our word metamorphosis. Remember the caterpillar in the cocoon? And he comes out what? He's transformed. He went through a what? Metamorphosis. He now becomes a butterfly. You don't know that one? How about the Credible Hulk? Was it Bruce Banner or David Banner? And he turns into the Hulk, right? Metamorphosis. In other words, a complete and total change. He says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Well, he tells you how. By the renewing of your mind. Mindsets, by the renewing of this, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in order for change to happen in your life, you're going to have to renew your mind first. Change happens here first. 
My mind has to change. My mindsets have to change. My mind and my spirit, man, on the inside, got to come into agreement and alignment with the direction of my life. My spirit may say yes and amen to God's word, but my mind go, wait a second, what about this and what about that? You got to tell your mind, shut up. Most of y'all came to church. I'm so proud of you. We had a nice little crowd in here today on the 4th of July weekend. I'm proud of you and those watching us. I'm proud of you watching us on, online. That's a wonderful, wonderful. But most of y'all did not want to get up today to go to church. Some of you were just like, you know, we're going to church because that's what we're supposed to do. And I don't want pastor to get on my, my case, you know, in case I don't show up, you know. So I'm going to make sure, you know, and I don't do that anyways. Y'all know me. I don't do that. I talk behind your back. But anyways, uh, I don't even do that. <laughs> but my point is, my point is, your flesh didn't want to come here. Now, your flesh is directly related to your mind because whoever controls the mind controls the body, the flesh, or the spirit. So y'all don't want to come here. He said, I don't want to praise God. And it was good praise and worship here today. I could feel the anointing. So I felt the anointing during rehearsal. I felt the anointing during rehearsal. That, 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 that new song, woo, Lord, that's a good song. And we're just, I mean, but most y'all didn't want to do it. So you fight against it. You didn't want to lift your hands. You didn't want to sing the song. You didn't want to clap. That's when it, why you got to be like David who said, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. you got to tell your mind, shut up. You're going to serve God today. You're going to lift your hands today. You're going to sing it to God with a voice of triumph today. You're going to worship God. You're going to praise him. You're going you're gonna to pray. Because your mind will fight you. Your mind will battle you. And if you don't know that you can renew your mind, that's the way you live in a constant battle. But when you renew your mind and say, the word of God takes paramount in my life. I, I take the pressure off by the paramount of the word of God. In other words, I let that begin to renew my thinking. That's the truth. That's what the truth is. Why? Because there's, there's crazy doctrines out there. And because of now that we have the internet and we have Google and all the searches and stuff, we can look up all kinds of crazy stuff. And there's crazy, just turn on your social media. There's crazy videos of people saying all kinds of stuff. Again, how do you let somebody teach you something when you don't even know the credibility of their own life? You've got to consider the source of somebody. If there's ever been a day and age for you to consider the source, you don't just drink water, do you? If you're thirsty, you want to drink whatever you can, right? But you don't know where it comes from. You want to consider the source. Does it come from a safe place? And the same is true when you see these videos. Don't let something rob your joy and rob your peace and make you feel like you're less than or make you feel like the world's about to end. Can I let you know something? The world is not going to end tomorrow. We are in the last days. But we are not the last day. Somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. The word of God will determine the way you think. And the way you think will determine the way you believe. And the way you believe will determine what you speak. And what you speak will determine what you have. Because confession brings possession. But if you're not speaking the right thing, it's because you got to all the way back to the first part of that source. you got to go, it's because of the way I think. The way I think determines how I believe. How I believe determines what I will say. And what I say will determine what I will have. Joshua 1.8 says, and by the way, Christian progress is much more uh, than just prayer. 
It's also about renewing the mind. Matter of fact, we could say it can be even more about renewing the mind because if you don't renew your mind, you don't pray correctly. It says this, this book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate in it. Think upon it. Let it begin the renewing process. How? Day and night. How often? Day and night. Then you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. So once I, I'm, I meditate the word of God, I'm speaking the word of God, now I've got to do the word of God. How do you do it? By faith. Right? So I'll become a doer of the word of God. Watch this. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. How many enjoys prosperity and success? It's in the book. You can have it. But prosperity and success doesn't come to the lazy. Prosperity and success doesn't come to the I wish I could. <laughs> prosperity and success doesn't come to the disobedient. Prosperity and success comes to the diligent, the faithful, the one who talks the word of God and the one who does the word of God. Everybody shout amen. amen. So what is renewing the mind? What is it? It's changing your thoughts, changing your ideas, changing your beliefs for God's thoughts, God's ideas, and God's beliefs. Look, learning is not renewing your mind. That's not renewing your mind. When you learn something, it's more than that. Um, it's, not, it's not memorization. Because memorization only goes so far. You just memorize something. You know, you can memorize one plus one equals two. You know, you did the flashcards with your kid, but you don't know why it equals two. You just memorize the flashcard, right? Renewing your mind requires practice and participation. It's doing it. It's, I hear the word, and I do the word. I hear the word, and I participate in it. I practice it. I participate in it. It's an act of your will. This is how you change your life. By, you don't like your life? Get involved in the word of God. Practice it. Participate it. Speak it. Pray it until it renews your mind. And by the way, it's a choice. Choices produce actions. God doesn't choose for you. He made you a free moral agent. You choose for yourself. I said, you choose for you. Well, God, I'm just upset right now, you know, because that man I married, you know, he ain't romantic. Why are you complaining to God and being mad at God about it? He didn't choose him. You did. At some, okay, well, all right. Some people don't like that. Life doesn't happen for you. It happens through you. Nobody going to make that happen for you. Life's going to happen through you. In other words, at some point, you're going to say, if I'm going to change my life, i got to find a word on what God says about it and begin to activate that thing by faith by becoming a doer of that word. Everybody say, I choose. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. Then Peter took him aside. Now, this is speaking about his relationship with Jesus. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. He took him by the shoulders is what that means. That word rebuke, you study, it means he takes him by the shoulders and shakes him. Jesus said, just said, I got to die. But in three days I'll be raised to life again. And Peter goes over and shakes him, shakes Jesus, rebukes him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, I for years thought that it was Peter that turned. But it wasn't Peter turning to Jesus. Jesus already had his attention because 
he, he just got shook by Peter. But we study this out. It was Jesus who turned his back on Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Talking to that spirit. He's dealing with the spirit. For you are not mindful. Your mind has not been renewed to what I'm trying to tell you. You're emotional. You, you got an opinion. It don't mean nothing to me. Turn your back. Get behind me, Satan. Your mind's not been renewed to the things of God, but instead the things of men. Church, I think it's time for us to turn our backs on worldly influences. Y'all want me to preach this or you want me to lay back and teach it? Let me lay it out the way I feel in the spirit. It's time for us to turn our backs on ungodly relationships. It's time for us to turn our backs on the sway of public opinion. It's time for us to turn our backs on sin. Everybody say, get behind me, Satan. Write that in the comments. Get behind me, Satan. People are going to freak out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Romans 8, 5. We have to set our minds on God's word. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. So you've got a choice. Is your mind going to be about your emotions and your anger and your, your this and your that and you, you know you, you, how life is unfair? Or is it going to be based on what the word of God has to say? Which, by the way, everything you're going through in this life, there is an answer. God has given us an answer in his word. Why are we so lazy that we don't take time to find out what God's word? I'm, look, I'm not, look, I'm mad at nobody. You want to preach or preach, just know something about preachers. I've been doing this for 30 years. Know something about preachers. We preach it to ourselves too. Because we always want the path of least resistance. That's human nature. And sometimes things don't happen fast enough for me, so I start to complain, like, this ain't right, God. This ain't not right. I have not done anything wrong. I haven't hurt nobody. What, what is this harvest that I have? I've not sold for this harvest. Has anybody else talked like that before? Okay, just me. Hallelujah. I'm the only lunatic in the whole room. All right. I think pretty much everybody probably has it sometime. Amen. Well, are we going to live like that or understand that God actually has a solution to his word? Because I noticed something. Just because you're saved doesn't mean everything automatically changes. Just because you carry the name of the Lord doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory from that point on. When I got saved, I realized there was a definite difference in my life, no doubt about that. But I still had the same makeup. I still looked the same, number one. And number two, I still was dealing with some of the same problems I had before I got saved. What had to happen? I had to renew my mind. I had to begin to allow myself to grow in character and integrity. I had to allow myself to grow. I would beat myself up so bad. Y'all remember I tell you about I would go to the jail cell of, of, of condemnation. Like, remember Otis on the Andy Griffith show? He would go in there and he'd get the key and unlock the cell, right, and go inside and lock himself in and then put the key back on the hook, you know, and then sleep it off. He, he sentenced himself. He just sentenced himself. That's how I felt. Every time I messed up, I would just sentence myself. I'm bad. I'm a loser. I'm no good. Can't live for God. You know, look at me. I think I'm all this, and I keep falling in sin, all kinds of problems. That's how I live my life, till I recognize and realize I can do better, but not on my own accord. I'm going to need his help. And then when I started investigating the word of God, that there's therefore now no condemnation to those who live in Christ Jesus. If there's no condemnation, why every weekend I throw myself in the jail cell of condemnation? Why am I beating myself up? Oh, wait a second. I didn't realize the Bible says if I sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin. 
and to cleanse me from all unright. If I'll just repent. I didn't know. So I had to renew my mind to stop beating myself up. Pastor, do you still sin though? You're probably better now. I still sin. Believe it or not, I still sin. But I am not now captivated by it. I'm not captured by it. I got a revelation. He loves me. He's working with me. He'll forgive me if I'm truly wanting to repent. Amen. So how do we deal with a Christian who has addictive behaviors? Because you know what I found out? A lot of people in this room are Christians today. Those who watch me, a lot of you are Christians. But I found out that most people in today's world, they have nothing but excuses. I mean, they got one excuse after another. Well, the only reason why I'm doing this is because of that. And the only reason why you see me do this is because of my childhood. And this is the reason why. When are we going to own up and accept personal responsibility for our lives? When you correct your children for doing something, do you, do you look at them and they go, but they have, no they, they have no excuses. You saw them do it. You little little pat on the butt or whatever. You tell them a little time out and take something away from them to what? Show them there's punishment for your actions? Why can't we do that as adults? You know, I'm not against therapy. Sometimes I think you people might need to work things out, especially if you get a Christian counselor. I think that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. But some of y'all don't need therapy. You just need to own up for responsibility and be obedient to what you already know is the truth. But the problem is, if the world would listen to me, that would solve all the problems. The problem is, you're addicted to praise or you're addicted to pity. And you want an excuse to continue to live the bad behavior in your life. Welcome again to Faith Builders Sunday morning course on love. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, the reason why I keep falling into sexual sin is because I got a sex demon. I got a sex devil. I wish you just cast it. You don't have a sex devil. You got a disobedient problem. You got a me problem. You want what you want when you want it, how you want it, and you don't want to own up to it. I'm, now I got most in my headlights right now. Amen. Well, the reason why my kids are out of control is because they got the spirit of disobedience. They don't have a spirit of disobedience. Every child is out of control unless the parent does what? Take control. Why are you letting them little heathen run the show? Who's boss, them or you? But the problem with parents today, you got a lot of guilt parenting going on. You get what I wasn't there for them, and I probably needed this, and I probably should have done that. And you got a lot of guilt going. Ask God to forgive you and move on, but be a leader in your house and take control of your children. Come on, somebody, say amen. Well, I want you to pray for my 14-year-old son. He keeps on stealing and robbing, and he's involved in gangs. 14-year-old son, you want me to fix in one hour of counseling what you couldn't do in 14 years. It started back in the day when you said no, and your no meant no, and your yes means yes, and that's the end of it. Teach your children. You can do it. I'm going to go right behind the pulpit today. I hear the shouting, but I ain't feeling some love from certain people hallelujah 
Romans 8, 6, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It didn't say the truth will make you feel good. It didn't say the truth is going to give you a goosebump. But the truth will make you free. What will make you free? Huh? The truth. Truth will set you free from alcohol addiction. Truth will set you free from a porn habit. I was going over this this morning. I studied this yesterday. And I hit that porn habit thing. And I heard the Lord say, practicing porn is practicing selfishness. And then you wonder why your sexual relation with your spouse is so jacked up. Because love, when you're, you're supposed to be making love, not having sex. And when you do that, animals have sex. We're supposed to have love, which means to be consider one another's needs. Somebody say amen. Again, welcome to Faith Builders. Our marriage conference is going well today. Amen. So when you're doing the porn, you're practicing selfishness. And a relationship cannot last when somebody wants their needs met and not care about the others. Truth will set you free from poverty. Truth will set you free from that cycle of rejection that you've been in. God wants to give you, this is what he spoke to me so clearly. God wants to get you in the room with people who can fast track your destiny. But the problem is you can't handle the truth that they want to tell you. You can't deal with the feedback because you look at it as rejection rather than constructive criticism to make you better. He wants to get you in the room, but you can't handle the truth that will come from the room. And that room of people are the people that can get you where you're supposed to go. You still take it personal because you're led by the flesh, by your feelings and by your emotions rather than by the spirit of God. Ghost for me too. It goes for all of us. Who's ready for the truth? By the way, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You got to go to the room that intimidates you. And sit there like, you know, you don't know nothing because you don't. And learn. And grow. Everybody shout this. Say, repentance hits the reset button. I'm just about done. I was going to tell you about the story or read it, but I'm not going to do it right now, about the prodigal son and how he took his father's inheritance and went and spent it on riotous living and the famine came into the land and so he has got nothing now. Now he's working for a farmer and the Bible said he would gladly eat the food that they fed the swine because he was starving to death and then it came to himself, the Bible said, and he came to himself, he had an epiphany, a revelation, and he said, even my father's servants whom I left high and dry, even... They, uh, they eat better. They got enough bread to feed their bellies. And here I am starving to death thinking about eating the slop that the farmer feeds the pigs. And I got nothing. Nowhere to lay my head at night. At least they got room and board. I got nothing. Those are the servants of my father. They're taking better than I'm getting taken care of right now. And he says, I must go back and I will, what? I will repent for what I have done. The revelation is repentance. So he's doing what? He's going one way in life, but now he turns and he moves now toward who? His father. Repentance moves us from moving one direction to the father's direction. We were living our life for us and found out it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. But you know what? We weren't so prideful to go, you know what? I know my, my father. He may not even forgive me of everything, but you know what? He's a good man. At least he'll make me like a hired servant. 
And at least that's better than what I got. And he starts walking that direction. When the father sees him, he doesn't wait for the son to come to him. He runs from his house to see his son, puts uh, arms around him and hugs him tight and kisses his neck and said, my son, you were dead, but now you're alive. You were lost, but now you're found. Here, wear my cloak. Here, put on my ring. Here, put on my sandals. Everything I have belongs to you. Hey, everybody, get ready. We're about to throw a party for my son. Father, I'm not worthy. Who said you're not worthy? You're my son. I forgive you. This young man didn't show up with excuses. He didn't show up with rationalizing of his bad behavior. He went and said, forgive me. Because if you keep doing that, rationalizing, and you keep on giving excuses for bad behavior, it's like hitting the repeat button over and over again. It's either going to be repent or repeat. Repentance changed all of that for him. Verse 24, again, we can't have time to read it all, but my son was dead. In other words, the father said he was separated from me. Repentance puts us back in the right relationship with the father. Those that are watching me right now online, he will do the same for you right where you're at. It's just saying I'm wrong. He's right. And start moving in that direction and say, Father, forgive me. This doesn't mean that God moved from you. It means that you moved from God. True repentance is an admittance of an acknowledgement of wrongdoing. It's an act of humility in order to what? To turn from sin and to turn to God for his help, his guidance. His mercy, his forgiveness. Repentance is the evidence of the change happening in your life. Repentance is the evidence that change is happening in your life. No longer are you being driven by your ego or your pride. But now you're saying, I, I, I messed it. I jacked this thing up. And I can say, this person, yes, they did it to me. And that person, yeah, they were part of that. But that's not all. I made my decisions. Because guess what? The same people that did that to you can say the same thing about other people. Well, I only did that to you because it was done to me. When does it stop? This is good stuff. I'm going to end right here. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it and they are saved. It doesn't say the name of Jeff. Or insert your name is a strong tower. But the name of the Lord, our identity, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, it's no longer my name that matters. It's no longer my will that matters. It's no longer my pride or my ego that matters. It's no longer my intentions or good intentions or bad intentions. What matters is the name of the Lord. My identity is now in him. And when I identify with him fully and solely, that's when I find safety. And I can run to it and find help. Somebody say amen.